Well, good evening, everybody. Wow. Good evening, everyone. Really good to see you all here tonight. Thank you very much for inviting me to come along and speak here at the Crescent. It's been a number of years since I was here. It's hard to believe where time just flies in. Um, I first got to know a number of you at the 2014 uh, Aurora Camp, and that was an amazing blessing for me. And uh, I've since kept in touch with a lot of the, the, the churches represented there, uh, with Bethany, Scrabo, Silver Birch, and preaching in those fellowships over the next few months as well. So it's just lovely to be back here. And I just want to thank God for you. I want to thank God just for the, the welcome that I've received tonight. I want to thank God for all he's doing in your church. Uh, obviously, you've got a big week of mission coming up, which is amazing, and hopefully tonight will encourage you as we return to God's Word, and you focus in on that and, and motivate and mobilize you in terms of how God could use you there. Uh, all of the renovations taking place. Oh, there's people up in the gallery. Hello. How <laughs> are you? And uh, it's just lovely to feel a uh, sense of momentum, movement, and I'm thankful to God for that. And just seeing the videos there of the, of the, uh, the camp that you had away. I, my daughter, Grace, is 12, and she went away for her first week-long camp uh, last week. Uh, now, she's been in camps before, but I've always been there as a speaker. This was the first time my daughter went away on her own, and we needed prayer. It was unbelievable. But, uh, but just when so you see the kids coming back from those camps, the impact of them, the, the difference it makes in their lives, the memories that they make, and you just see that. Just so thankful to God for what he's doing in your church. And I just hope that tonight we can be encouraged through God's word. Uh, as, as you've already heard, I'm one of the ministers in Dundonald Elam Church. It's been a big change for me over the last few years, uh, moving from the context of itinerant ministry through Crown Jesus, a brilliant work, a wonderful ministry, into a context of with the same people week in, week out. But I've really loved that and, and just to, to do life with and, and, and get to know and love the people of Dundonald Leland has been a great blessing for me. But it's really good to be here with you tonight, and I hope that we're going to encourage you, particularly as you approach your, your mission week, which I hope will be wonderful. Um, I know you're doing a, a study uh, on the book of Luke, um, so we're going to actually turn to the Gospel of John tonight. <laughs> and uh, as we think about the subject of living life on the edge, and people on the edge of life, and, and seeking forgiveness and grace. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn to John chapter 4. A very familiar story, I'm sure, to many of you. John chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, maybe you could follow on with somebody. We're going to read uh, from verses 1 through to 26. So it's a long reading tonight, but make no apologies for that. There's no better way for us to spend time together than actually reading the Word of God together and not rushing through it. It's the most important part of our, of our, of our service together. Or if you have a wee device, flick on there and, and, and follow through as we look at John chapter 4. Starting at verse 1. This is the inspired and the authoritative word of God. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. 
it was about the sixth hour, which is about 12 o'clock noon. And I love the fact of how the Word of God, we believe that Jesus was fully human and he was fully God and the Bible never hides his humanity. And here he is, he's tired after his journey. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water and as that happened, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you have spoken truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship uh, what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his his precious word. It's a, a fascinating story. Jesus sat down at Jacob's well and, and the scene or stage was very much set for a remarkable encounter with a woman who was on the edge and periphery of life. In many ways, it was a dramatic and a shocking encounter because of the setting, the culture, and also the characters who were involved. And maybe you are fairly new to church, and maybe you've never heard this story before, so I don't want to assume that you understand all of the reasons why this was a shocking encounter. So I just want to outline them quickly for you, and it helps contextualize this and focus our minds for what I hope the Lord will speak to us. Firstly, this was a shocking encounter because it involved a woman. 
It involved a woman, and in the culture of Christ's day, it was a, a breach of spiritual etiquette for a man to speak to women in public. But what happened here was a big no-no, an even bigger no-no, because a rabbi would definitely have never spoken to a, a woman in public, which actually gives us a little bit of insight into how women were perceived, treated, and valued in that particular society. Even today, there's a, a famous prayer in the Jewish prayer book, which is still recited at morning prayers, and it says this, Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, who has not made me a, a woman. In fact, Jewish rabbis did not even speak to women from their own families in public. And that helps us understand just how shocking this encounter actually was. Secondly, it was shocking because it involved a Samaritan woman And, uh, of course, there had been much bitterness between Samaritans and Jews for many years before Jesus walked on earth. Samaritans, of course, emerged after the nation of Israel was was split into two kingdoms. And you had the northern kingdom of Israel that was made up of ten tribes, and then the the southern kingdom of, uh, of Judah that was made up of the remaining two tribes. And when the northern kingdom was taken into captivity by the Assyrians around 722 B.C., They took most of the Jews with them into exile, but some were allowed to stay. And through time, the Assyrians sent people from other cultures and other nations into the capital of the the northern kingdom, which was Samaria. And through time, what happened was that the Jews started to intermarry with the people who had come to live in their area, in their country, something that was completely taboo for a Jewish person to do. So when all of the the Jews returned and found this to be the case, they were appalled at what had happened. And as a result, they despised the Samaritans, despised them. Um, for what they had done, the religion they had created, and considered them social lepers and spiritual half-breeds. And from that time on, Jews took nothing to do with Samaritans. So this is a shocking encounter because Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman. And thirdly, it was shocking because it involved a Samaritan woman with loose morals. The inference of her solo appearance at the well is very striking. History shows that that women in that culture, they would have gone to the well to to draw water and men would have worked in the the fields. And traditionally, the women would have done this in the early morning or early evening to avoid the hot noonday sun. And also, in that culture, it was considered a social event to go to the the well where women would have caught up with each other and uh, had a good chat. The fact this lady goes to this particular well at 12 o'clock indicates that she went at a time she knew nobody else would be there. And the fact that she was on her own indicates that she didn't want to see anybody. She had been ostracized in some respects from her community. And history shows that there would have been probably a number of wells closer to where this lady lived in, in, in Sychar or in Samaria, closer to her than Jacob's well. So she avoided convenient places to avoid potential conflict and scorn. The Samaritan religion used the Scriptures. They used only the Pentateuch. But there's plenty of references there within those books of the Bible about marriage, adultery, divorce, and covetousness. This lady was clearly an outcast. 
She was clearly an outcast. So strike one, Jesus speaks to a woman. Strike two, he speaks to a Samaritan woman. And strike three, he speaks to a Samaritan woman who had loose morals. Hence why you can almost visualize, if you read on in the story, the face of the disciples when they returned to, to, to find and discover such a, an unusual and a, a shocking scene. It might have been three strikes, but Jesus Christ was certainly not out because he was making incredible statements about who he was and who he still is today and his incredible mission that should inspire us to go and do exactly the same. Yes, for your mission, but in everyday life that we live and the arenas that we find ourselves in, that we follow his great example. You see, the whole point of John's gospel, we've just finished a series looking at um, the signs in John's gospel in Dundonald Elam. And, and the whole point of this particular uh, chapter, or, or particular book is found in chapter 20, verse 31, where John says, these things are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. So whilst there are so many things that we could draw out of this story. I want to keep the focus of our intention on the main focus of this gospel by drawing out a few points about Jesus and how he used this situation to communicate some powerful truth about himself, his mission, and then bring this transformation into a lady's life. It's a wonderful story. First point, Jesus Christ is a friend of all sinners. He is a friend of all sinners. His good news is for all people. And we see that throughout the gospel accounts. If you read later, when you get home, John chapter 3, you will read another encounter there between Jesus and Nicodemus, a religious leader, a professional, an educated man with social stature. In chapter 4, we read of this encounter with a woman at the opposite end of the spectrum religiously, socially, and morally. Chapter 3 was this encounter in the evening with a a Jewish man who was a ruler. Chapter 4 was an encounter at midday with a Samaritan woman who was an outcast. Nicodemus came searching for Jesus. This woman was not looking for Jesus Christ at all, but she had an appointment with him that she didn't know about. Maybe you're here tonight and you have an appointment with Jesus Christ that you don't know about, whether you've been a Christian for many, many years, or whether you're maybe not a Christian. It might just be that Jesus wants to speak to you, that it's not a normal Sunday service, that he wants to encounter you in a, in a wonderful way and speak some truth into your life that, that transforms who you are. In chapter 3, we learn that no one is good enough to not need a Savior. In chapter 4, we learn that no one is bad enough that they're beyond hope. What unites these two very different people is their need of a Savior. It's their need of a Savior, and their contrast shows that Jesus is a friend of all sinners, whether it be a respected religionist or a disenfranchised woman. The gospel and the cross span society, and it reaches out to all people. In this story, Jesus, friend of all sinners, crossed established boundaries of race and gender. Man had made race, gender, ethnicity, culture, and social status a barrier. 
Jesus walked all over the top of it. And the gospel is for all people. The Jews, for example, did not even eat from or, or use the same utensils as a Samaritan person. That's why the lady asked him, but you don't have anything to draw water with. Jesus cared nothing for man-made religious traditions. And I love the irony of how he sent his disciples into Samaria to buy Samaritan food out of Samaritan's hands. So in this story, Jesus shattered the walls of exclusion. He shattered the walls of exclusion to reveal that grace and forgiveness is for all people. Verse 42 in chapter 4 says that he is the Savior of the whole world. He came to bring salvation to every tribe, tongue, and nation. His salvation is open to the whosoever will believe. It's a wonderful story. Jesus wants to save the sexually immoral. He wants to save the drug addict. He wants to save the Islamic terrorist. He wants to save the homosexual. He wants to save the immigrant and so on because everyone needs his grace. He's a friend of all sinners. And that passion, folks, needs to be at the heart of our mission. At the heart of our mission. The Crescent Church, Dundonald Elam, or whatever fellowship we're from, we need to be known as churches who are friends of sinners, all sinners. Who are you a friend to? Who is not a Christian? I pause to give you time to reflect on that. Because often as we go through church life, don't we, our, our, our friendship groups become more Christian. We become more introverted in church life and we lose connection with people on the outside. Who are you a friend to who is not a Christian? Who are you able to invite to the upcoming mission who's not yet a Christian? Maybe, I see you're doing a Christianity Explored, maybe your friend isn't ready for that, but maybe you could bring them to the, the fun day and, and, and start to build connections and relationships that eventually they could maybe come to Christianity Explored. Or maybe you do know someone who's ready for that arena to, to sit and to talk and, and to ask questions and, and, and to hopefully get answers and to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are in a position, my friend, where your friendship circles have become Christian, purely Christian, then you need to be challenged by this point. We need to be known as churches who are friends of all sinners. And if you are here tonight and you're not a Christian, and the reason for that is because you felt excluded from becoming one, because of your past or your present or because of what a religious person has said or to or, or, or done to you, please listen on because in this story you find lots of encouragement about the grace of God and the transformation that grace we've been singing so beautifully about tonight can bring. Jesus wants to pour his grace into your life this evening like a flood because he's a friend of all sinners. He's your friend. Second, point tonight is this. Jesus is full of grace, not condemnation. He is full of grace, not condemnation. 
The word grace, of course, means the free, unmerited favor of God. The favor, forgiveness, grace, and the love of God that we don't deserve in our lives. Grace comes freely to people who do not deserve it. I am one of those people. Only sinners appreciate grace. I appreciate it a lot. The grace of God will only meet the need of people who are aware of their condition before God and cry out to Him for help. John 3 verse 17 says this, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. To save it through Him. What a beautiful example this story is of Jesus living out His mission of no condemnation to the world. Here's a woman. She knew her condition. Boy, does she know her condition. She was lost. Clearly having five failed marriages, this lady knew what it was to be rejected. She was probably the talk of the town, potentially emotionally bankrupt, empty. She may even have got to the point of believing that she deserved to be hated, despised, and unwanted. Probably the best word to describe what this lady was experiencing and feeling in her life is shame. What a horrible, horrible emotion. She didn't know where to turn to find hope or the satisfaction she was looking for, hence her history. Looking for love that men could not provide until she met one with a capital O who would hang on a cross for all her shame, for all her sin, and offer her the most beautiful forgiveness He hung for the shame of this world. This encounter was a game changer. (laughs) Not once did Jesus condemn her. Not once did he condone her sin. But not once did he condemn her. It is clear in the conversation when we read it that the lady did not really know where the whole conversation was going. She thought this was a thirsty man who, who needed her help to get water, but she didn't realize Jesus was going to turn that scenario on its head and let her realize she was the thirsty one and he was the source of her living water. But her ignorance of who Jesus was was not a barrier to him at all. It's the same for anyone here tonight who's not yet a Christian. You might not know everything about Christianity. That's no barrier to Jesus Christ and you finding his grace tonight. Here's how we know Jesus did not condemn the lady's past. He knew the lady's identity, but he did not use it to destroy her, but bring her to a place where she sought hope. He said, go call your husband. I really do not believe that Jesus prompted chat about her husbands and her partner to criticize her or to put her down. You see, I believe Jesus spoke to this lady in a way that showed he understood why she sinned. And that's a really important point. He spoke to her in a way that showed he understood why she sinned. He knows there's a bias in your life and my life that leans us towards sin. And he understands that at the heart of sin is just this lady looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. He knows that the heart of our sinful choices is just people who are, who are looking for something in the wrong places. 
However, if there's going to be a transformation here, she needed to come face to face with her sin and, and alienation from God. But Jesus didn't wring out all her sordid details of shame. She knew her shame. I wonder how she said, I have no husband. Was it with rising inflection? Was it with lowering inflection? Was it with defiance? I do not think so. I reckon she just about responded. I have no husband. Because she was living as someone who was in shame. What did Jesus do? Did he drag out the whole sordid story? Did he publicly humiliate her when the disciples came back? No. Here's how I love to read his response of no condemnation to the woman. He actually told the story for her. He didn't make her struggle and stumble through it all on her own because I believe he wanted to help her. I believe he wanted to help her. And she knew that. She could see something in this man that was amazing, that was different, that, was, that, that she was transfixed by, that, that was drawing her to himself. Jesus is full of grace, not condemnation. And do you know what is amazing? This was the first time in John's gospel where Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah. He didn't wait to have a, a, a synagogue full of people or, or put his post out on Facebook to get maximum impact in the world. He told this woman that we don't even know her name. He was living in shame because he valued her and he loved her. Oh, how we need to learn from Jesus. I think it's sad in society that when that the church is known more for condemnation than for grace. Especially when it comes to dealing with people like this lady who have maybe loose morals. I think it's sad that when people think of church that sometimes the first words that come into their minds are judgmental people. How could we judge anyone? We should be far too aware of our own junk to point the finger at anyone else. We need to learn from Jesus. May our fellowships be known as friends of all sinners and churches that are full of grace and not condemnation. There are so many people in our society like this lady who feel their shame because of failure. They do not need us to wring out uh, their, their shame and call them dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. Some of them already know it. Yes, they need to confront their sin and ask for forgiveness. But what these people need to encounter is Jesus at the well through you and through me. That's what they need. They need to encounter Jesus Christ at the well through you and through me and his non-judgmental message of acceptance and love is full of grace, not condemnation. May we remember to show his grace to those we're reaching out with every week and all the non-Christian people we meet in our working environments, in our family, friendship circles, wherever it is. May we they encounter Jesus at the well through us. And the final point tonight is this. Jesus' grace transforms lives. Look at the transformation of this lady. It's absolutely remarkable. In verse 39, if we had read on, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed 
because of the word of the woman who testified. She ran home and she said, come see a man. (laughs) What a work of grace. Hey, if it was up to you and me, and we were strategically looking at how we impact Samaria for Jesus Christ, I don't think we would have thought of sending a woman with her reputation in with a message of, come see a man. No. People will start thinking, well, is this number seven? We certainly would not have done that, but Jesus sees it all differently. His grace, please hear this, his grace saw that the woman with the greatest mess was the woman with the greatest potential. How great is that? The woman with the greatest mess was the woman who had the greatest potential. Are you not yet a Christian? And you think God cannot forgive you for what you've done in your life? My friend, why would Jesus go through what he did on a cross if there was something in your life that he could not forgive? Not only did Jesus die to deal with the mess of all of our lives, but he died because he could see the potential in every single one of us here to take forward his mission of grace on this earth. Wow, why did the people of that city listen to the lady? They'd ostracized her. Why on earth did they listen to her? Because they could see this helpless, hopeless woman was now full of hope. They saw a transformation in her life, the transformation that grace can bring. A lady who went to the well at noon to avoid speaking to anyone was now evangelizing her whole city, telling them about Jesus Christ. What transformation this grace brings in our lives. So much that it was the people who had rejected and abused her they were the first people she wanted to go to with this message of hope. Why? Because I reckon she got the heart of the message we've been challenged with tonight, which is that Jesus Christ is the friend of all sinners, not just the ones in society that we love, not just the ones in the society that church sadly looks down on, but also the folks in society who have maybe hurt us, who have maybe rejected us, who have maybe walked away from us or even abused us. He's a friend of all sinners. And that's why she went first to the people who had rejected her. What a message. Jesus is is not simply the the Messiah of, of narrow Jewish expectation. He's the world's redeemer. It's amazing. The disciples did not understand that grace could reach such a person. But Jesus tells them this at the end of the chapter, the fields are white on the harvest, but the workers are few. We might not fully understand how Jesus can love everyone, but here's what we need to do. As we go into another week, here's what you can do as you approach this mission. Don't stand on the edge here with this one. Get involved And it's not just for young people. It's for people of all age groups to embrace, to get involved in. Don't be on the edge. Don't be on the periphery. Life's too short to waste it. I don't want to get to the end of my life, look back with regrets. 
you go into this week, whatever it holds, we be in the thick or the thin as we approach this mission, look up. See the harvest. See the harvest that there is all around us. And let's all live our lives in a way that people encounter Christ at the well through us. Because like Jesus, we're a people who are a friend of all sinners. We're a people who are all about grace and not condemnation. And because of that, people will then see the grace of God and how it can transform lives. That will be the magnet that draws and sees the lost one. And I know some of you will be living out this life. And as a result, you will have people to invite along to the mission and to the different things. Can you take the courage to invite them? Don't waste the opportunity. Don't be content with putting a wee uh, flyer through their door without actually eye to eye, eyeball people and just say, I'd love you to come to this with me. Take the opportunity to do it. But for those who maybe do not have someone to invite, nobody is condemned here tonight for that. We're just challenged to look up and see the harvest. Who could it be that God wants you to reach? Who could it be that God wants you to shine the light and hope of his gospel to? Who could you befriend for him so that grace and hope can invade their lives? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the privilege of this time that we have had together. Thank you for every head that's bowed, every eye that's closed. And Lord, you know everybody here. You know the situations that we're, we're facing. Lord, you know that behind many of the smiling, lovely, fresh-looking faces here tonight are hearts that are breaking and hearts that are just crying out for you. Lord, may the time we've had together tonight have brought encouragement to every saint in this place. Fire us with your word, Lord God. Fire us with your word. Encourage us in these days, Lord God. For those who are wondering where you are, who don't have that conscious sense of your presence, Lord, thank you that our faith is not in feelings, but in truth. And Lord, encourage us that you are with us and that you'll never leave us and that you'll never forsake us. And Lord, as we listen to your word, Lord, let us not just hear it and just deceive ourselves. But Lord, let us do what it says. Give us the courage. Move us, Lord, with compassion for the lost to go and be that friend to people that we need to be to show your love and your grace. And Lord, may you use each of us as we go into the harvest of this week to show people your love. Bless this beautiful group of people. May this be a wonderful week of mission and outreach. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit and may there be lives saved for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.